0: Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh.
1: No! Oh my god, how could he do that? Are oh you on? God? Donate to- What?
0: Charles Darwin.
1: All right. well today is a very unique episode of Nerd Sesh. We're going to call it Nerd Sesh Speed Run. We have exactly one hour to get through all of our NFL free agency talk. For those of you who don't know, the signing period has begun and there have been a few big deals up to this point, but there are a lot of legitimate guys still out there for the taking. So, let's start Logan by just sort of giving our initial thoughts on some of those big deals that have already happened. The most recent one was Aaron Jones re-signing. With the Packers, it's a four-year deal worth up to $48 million. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, I didn't really like this signing for the Packers. Now,
0: it's not because of Jones' production. Uh, he has the second-most scrimmage touchdown since 2019, with 30 only behind Derrick Henry. Uh, but I've brought this point up in the past, cards, and since 2009, the highest-paid rusher on a Super Bowl-winning team was Marshawn Lynch. Uh, he's paid $7 million. The next closest uh, was Fournette and Ray Rice being paid $2 million. I just don't think that you should ever pay a running back that kind of money if you were trying to win a Super Bowl. But to make matters worse, they drafted his replacement A.J. Dillon, and he is still on his rookie deal, which is another reason why it made less sense for the Packers to bring back uh, Jones. Uh, Dylan averaged 5.3 yards per carry last season. I think they should have taken the money that they paid to Jones, given it to a wideout, got another pass rusher. Because of the signing, I think the Packers are just going to waste another prime year of Aaron Rodgers and uh, sadly not come away with another Super Bowl.
1: That's very interesting, and I am generally very anti-paying running backs big money of any kind. I will say, though, Jones has been incredibly productive. You mentioned it, the 30 total touchdowns, but over the last two years, it's also 3,000 yards from scrimmage, 5 yards per carry. And four years is long, he will be 30 by the end of this contract, and that I do not like at all, but although we don't have the exact details, it seems like probably nothing beyond the $13 million signing bonus is guaranteed, so at least the Packers have some leeway there, which is why I don't hate this. You're right, A.J. Dillon, incredibly productive when he had his opportunities this season, and again, when you can save that money on a running back, you should. I do wonder, though, if Jones's versatility, being that guy in the receiving game in the red zone, his efficiency as a runner, and then also the fact that, again, there are probably various outs in this contract, makes it so I don't hate it. Let's move on now to probably the biggest signing out of the free agency period thus far. Dak Prescott is extended for another four years, $160 million to the Dallas Cowboys. Logan, what were your thoughts on this? I have really mixed feelings about bringing Dak back. I don't
0: like signing him to this, you know, Patrick Mahomes kind of money when he's obviously not that level of talent. But there, what he did this season um, and the receiving core that they have built around him makes this signing to me a little less uh, of a sting. And, of course, there's always tremendous value in bringing a quarterback in that is competent, that is going to perform well. So I don't hate this one as much. I wouldn't have paid him this much money, but... He's a good quarterback, he's not great, but again, there's just value in having a consistent performer at the most important
1: position in football. I do think there's potential for him to be pretty great with the weapons around him that he has, and we saw that production again when he was healthy this year. To me, there really wasn't much of an alternative here. I think you kind of had to bring him back because you have the foundation for a potentially winning team, although they obviously weren't that this year with him at the helm, and this is just going to become an absolutely bonkers market for quarterbacks because Dak, who's what, a top 12 guy, if he's going to get four years, $160 million, you know what that means for everybody else. The Buffalo Bills are about to get busted open. Oh my God, it's going to be absurd but when you're paying for the elite elite guys, it's okay. The only ones that can kill you is like we saw with a Jimmy G. If that contract goes the wrong way, but you're still paying a above average quarterback, that kind of money that can hurt you or a Jared Goff. There you go. There's another example. I think Dak is better than those guys. I think that it's a better signing, but you have definitely invested a huge portion of your cap in this one guy who isn't going to single-handedly carry you to the promised land or anything like that. Obviously, Last big free agency signing that has already occurred that we want to touch on, J.J. Watt. Obviously, you thought he had a chance of going to the Steelers. I thought he had a chance of going to the Bills. He ends up going to the team right here in Arizona, the Cardinals. What were your thoughts on that? I really didn't like this signing for Arizona, Now I'm not going to hate on it too much. You're bringing
0: in one of the greatest pass rushes of all time. The only reason I don't like it, though, is this wasn't really a huge position of need for the Cardinals. If they bring back Hassan Redick, uh they had the fifth most sacks last season. If they bring back Reddick, you uh, hypothetically have that exact same pass rush for next season. The only reason that really makes me sour on this move is just because of J.J. Watt's injury history. Uh, obviously, he was healthy last season, but can you really depend on this guy For 16 games, Uh, time will tell. It's his age, his injury history, and this really being a lack of need, in my opinion, for the Cardinals when they could have just brought back Hassan Reddick is really why I don't like this deal. But if JJ Watt is what he was a few years ago, this is an awesome signing for the Cardinals.
1: And it is short term, so obviously it's not like they have a huge amount invested going forward. It's basically two years, 28 million. I agree with you, if you lose Hassan Reddick, it's not worth it. Hassan Reddick is a better football player at this point in his career than J.J. Watt, far and away a better pure pass rusher, but there's definitely intrigue here, especially if they can keep both, which is possible, difficult to do, but possible, because then you're talking about a guy who's going to bolster your run defense in J.J., who is still going to help your pass rush and is probably better there than the sack total would tell you from this season, and then you still have dynamic rushers off the edges in Redick, and then opposite him in Chandler Jones. That, to me, could be pretty terrifying. Fine. All right. So now, Logan, we're going to get into our preview period. And as I said, might be a bit of a speed run with some of these guys. We're just sort of going to briefly give our thoughts. Not really how we normally do things here on NerdSesh. We like to be thorough and sometimes a little bit verbose. But you know what? We're going quick today. So let's start with quarterbacks. We're personally, I don't think there's a fascinating field at this point. We've kind of already seen some of the big moves happen there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the first guy who we're going to talk about today. What do you foresee for Fitzmagic?
0: No, I don't think we're going to be very uh, verbose on, on our <laughs> quarterbacks today. Um, Fitzpatrick is really, I see him playing one role for a team that is being a consistent backup, maybe make a run at a starter. There's only really two uh, places I see that happening with the Washington football team because of their QB situation. Uh, if you're not really faithful in Taylor Heineke, bring him in. He could be a strong backup. Personally, I think the ideal landing spot is just on a cheap deal back to Miami. He was decently successful there last season at the highest completion percentage of his career at 68.5. He had the second highest QBR of his career. he well with the receivers the team likes him and he is a he's always a strong backup to turn to if two is either struggling or if he maybe struggles with injury fitzpatrick is just reliable so i just think the best
1: landing spot is back in miami I agree with you. I think it's a cheap deal, effectively, to be, as you mentioned, that backup and spot starter when, for whatever reason, they don't have faith in Tua. The Washington football team option is intriguing just because he could theoretically be better than Alex Smith in that role, certainly less of the game-managing side of it, but maybe a little bit more upside still. So that is a potential option for sure, but I have Miami down here for Fitzy as well. The only other quarterback we have down here, again, not an overwhelmingly talented class at this point, Famous Jameis, who seems like he's going to stay in New Orleans probably, but what do you think for him? Now, honestly, my ideal situation, I'd love to see John
0: Elway throw this man a bag uh, just because that's a really John Elway thing to do with the uh, Broncos' uh, salary situation. But with what all the rumors we're hearing is just that New Orleans is going to bring him back on a cheap deal. I think it's kind of the most boring scenario. I also don't really understand why New Orleans would go out and give Taysom Hill that massive a contract if they do not plan for him being the long-term starter. Uh, Either way... Uh, It seems like Jameis is headed back to New Orleans.
1: Well, so basically the reason is that Hill number is meaningless. Everything is voidable there. I don't even know why that's the number they put down on paper, but they are not going to be held to that whatsoever. So all they did was basically reallocate his salary from this year into signing bonuses. The fact that it was listed as four years, 140 million is absurd. When you texted me, Taysom Hill, four years, 140 million, I was certain you had been duped. And in a way, we were all duped because that really was not what it was billed to be. But I have Jameis going back to the Saints as well, and I think he's going to be the starter, and Hill will continue to be kind of that gadget guy and certainly a quality backup to half. All right, now let's move on to the O-linemen because I think there's really a headliner with this group in Trent Williams who it seems like is not going to be returning to his team Logan what do you foresee for him
0: yeah uh you said it he's been excellent his entire career eight consecutive Pro Bowl selections adding another in San Francisco last season now San Francisco does have the cap available to go out and resign Trent Williams if they can make it happen I definitely think they should explore that route but I think Trent will go to the Indianapolis Colts and give them basically the greatest offensive line Mm. ever you got Quentin Nelson uh (laughs) You had Trent Williams in. I mean, possibly the best left tackle in the game and the best guard in the game. Uh, I don't really know what's going to... If that is a route that they should explore with their quarterback situation, I think that needs to be addressed as well. But, uh, I mean, I guess that... I guess with Wentz at the helm that you're going to have to bring in another guy to protect him, but that will make... I think that'll accentuate Wentz's abilities, uh, giving him more time in the pocket. And with the best offensive line in football, I think that it potentially gives Wentz a really good chance to succeed back with his old offensive coordinator. Uh, I think it's a move that uh, the Colts should explore.
1: Yeah, I think it would be awesome, and I have a lot of stuff planned out for the Colts here today because they are the rare, really good team that also has significant cap space. I'm going to point Trent Williams towards actually an in-division rival of the Niners. I think Seattle should try to go get him. Now, Cap-wise, this is tough to make work. They have $17 million in space right now, and that's probably really close to what Williams is going to demand per year. Now, maybe you can manipulate that a little bit by throwing in some hefty bonuses and maybe backloading that contract a little bit, but I just think he has to be your top priority, and they do have legit free agents who they'll have to let walk with this. KJ Wright, Carlos Dunlap, Bruce Irvin, who when we last saw him healthy was still a good football player. Chris Carson, who has been really productive as a starter for this team, but I just think... All of those guys you can try to replace in the draft, you need at some point a staple on this offensive line, and there needs to be improvement across the board with that unit, but when you get a perennial Pro Bowl guy who can be that left tackle, then I think that that is invaluable, and with the discontentment we have heard about from Russ, you got to try to make him happy somehow, and retaining these solid defensive players and a running back who can be replaced at a lower cost, that's probably not how you're going to make him happy.
0: That's interesting. I have, uh, I have different uh, offensive line plans for Seattle,
1: but if they can land Trent, I have to think that, that would appease Russ. I have different offensive line plans for the Colts. So let's get into our next guy now. We're going to talk about a couple of Chiefs tackles who obviously, after having very successful careers in Kansas City, were both released recently. The first guy, Eric Fisher. Logan, what do you see happening with him? Um, well,
0: I have Eric Fisher going to the Seahawks. I think that makes a little more sense uh, just with their cap situation. I think Trent will command just a little more money. Eric Fisher is in the ballpark uh you know, a little closer money-wise to what the Seahawks have in cap. He's got two Pro Bowl selections in his career, earning a second nod last season with Kansas City. Since Fisher entered the league, the Chiefs are tenth in lee sacks allowed and fourth in rushing yards per attempt. I think he's a valuable addition to any team, you know, in the pass blocking and run blocking scheme. Uh, we'll have to see what the Seahawks do running back wise, but he was elite as a pass protector last season for Pat Mahomes, and he would be elite next season for Russell Wilson. I think <laughs> I just think in general with what I think the Seahawks have to go out and get a tackle uh, regardless of who it is.
1: Yeah, maybe that makes more sense. I just wanted them to try to go out there and get the biggest dog available and it'll be interesting to see what Fisher actually commands on the open market. Obviously has been so effective. I kind of don't feel like it's going to be a crazy bag even though at 30 it's not like he's washed or anything but coming off of the Achilles injury there's always concern there and there's a reason he was released although a lot of that has to do with cap constraints on the Chiefs side, but we're going to do a little switcheroo here. I want him going to the Colts. I say you go in division. You say, F you Chiefs. I can still play at a high level with Costanzo retiring. Obviously, as you mentioned with Williams, there is a need there and the Colts have a bunch of cap to go make it happen. So I don't know what it is. If it's 8 million a year, if it's 10 million a year, obviously tackles get big money. I, he's not going to get Trent Williams money. So I think they can make it happen. You think we get a, a an Eric Fisher revenge game in the playoffs? That's what I'm looking forward to this year. Let's talk now about the other guy who's been playing alongside him for so long, Mitchell Schwartz, who it's really unclear exactly what direction he's going to take this offseason, but what do you see happening with him? Uh, Yeah, I really don't know uh, what the situation
0: is for Mitchell Schwartz. I I think one logical landing spot is the Patriots just because they have cap space, uh, they have a need at those tackle spots to protect Cam to uh, bolster their run game he was an all-pro just two seasons ago in Kansas City since Schwartz joined the Chiefs they've been third in lease sacks allowed and seventh in rushing yards per attempt Um, I don't really know I don't know where other markets I think the Colts and Seahawks are uh, two definite spots but all of the other teams that I think really need tackles I think are going to go address them in the draft and other teams that need tackles such as maybe uh, my Steelers don't really have the cap space for a guy like this so I'm going with New England because uh, it's a spot of need and
1: they've got a ton of cap space to throw at guys I think that makes a lot of sense. It'll be interesting to see if Schwartz even continues playing football. He's talked about how he wants to continue to live in Kansas City and is at 31 coming off of a pretty serious injury. I actually have not going to the Chargers. I think that's just a spot where they also have a bunch of cap. They could certainly upgrade at the spot. Maybe you move him back to left tackle where he played some in college. Not really as much in the NFL alongside Fisher. Obviously, he's been holding down that left tackle spot. But there's potential there for him to be sort of a staple on the O-line. And it's a Chargers team that obviously should prioritize protecting Justin Herbert. Not like they were atrocious there, but they can continue to get better and they have the means to do it. Let's now look, Logan, to what I think is probably the most loaded group in this free agency. We're going to go to the defensive side of the ball with the edge rushers in this class, and let's start with the biggest dog of them all, Shaq Barrett, who the Bucs in all likelihood will not be able to bring back. What do you see happening with him? Uh, I see Shaq going back to the Buccaneers.
0: um, An elite edge rusher is the separation between having a good and great uh, defense. Could be potentially the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not. Uh, In this playoffs, we saw four games, four sacks, eight pressures. Uh, He was, you know, terrorizing in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He led the league in sacks last year with 19 and a half. He was fourth in pressures, sixth in pressures this season with eight sacks. The Buccaneers finished fifth in sacks. Now... I'm not saying that the Buccaneers' defense won't be good without Shaq Barrett. They certainly will. Uh, they already brought back Levante David. They've got a ton of other talent, but they've got nine million cap. This should be enough after Brady's restructure and with how they can backload his deal. I just think Shaq Barrett's too valuable of a piece to just let walk in free agency, and the Buccaneers need him to be a contending Super Bowl, uh, a Super Bowl contender.
1: I think that was kind of funny how I said they in all likelihood won't be able to retain him, and then you said the Bucks. I think it's interesting because you're right. He probably should have been priority number one, but he wasn't. He sort of fell to the bottom of the chain of priorities here, it seems, with the Bucs, having already brought back a couple of other guys on this team. And you may be right. Maybe the restructure is going to be enough to open the door to bring him back. I just think he's going to command big, big top pass rusher money that I don't know if they can clear. So I have him going to the Colts, who personally I want to see all in on a Super Bowl push this year. Logan. Logan. You look shocked. So here's the deal. They have $46 million in cap, right? And let's say you give Fisher two years, anywhere from 15 to $20 million. I don't know. Maybe he commands more than that, but I kind of feel like coming off the injury, you're going to be able to get him for less. He's not going to get money like he did on his last contract. And then you have Justin Houston coming off the books, who was $12 million against the cap for you this year. And so would I let that go to add Shaq for $6 million more a year or what have you? I absolutely would. And then I think we're talking about a potential Super Bowl contender with the elite defensive personnel that they have around him and really for the Colts I'm just trying to get as many stars in here as I can before they have to really pay Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson and I think they have an opportunity to do that right here I mean I think this I think the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl if they if they have these moves I kind of wish I had gone a little more bold
0: uh, I do have the Colts I'll give a little spoiler here I have them retaining Justin Houston if they get Shaq Barrett I mean it's almost like the Colts are cheating this year Carson with the Carson Wentz uh, dead cap kind of move here It allows them to go out and swing for the fences this season. I think they should go all in. If they land Shaq Barrett, I think they're shoe wins for the Super Bowl. It would certainly be, definitely they'd be firmly in the conversation. I mean, especially with the fact that you're likely to run into the Chiefs in the playoffs. We already saw how Shaq Barrett terrorized
1: that team without their tackles. I love it. I love it too. That's why I proposed it. We do have another guy, though, who is definitely a hot fella on the pass rusher market, and that is Bud Dupree, obviously, Pittsburgh Steeler. Logan, what do you think ends up happening with Bud? Uh, I have him going to your Buffalo Bills. Uh, Sean McDermott came out and said that
0: pass rush was the main focus of Buffalo's offseason so I have to think that even if it isn't bud they are going to go out and get one of these top edge rushing prospects. Uh, he's always been a tremendous athlete with quick burst and a uh, deadly spin move but these last two years he's been actually producing 11 and a half sacks in 2019 12th 28 pressures uh, that ranked 32nd in 2019. He had eight sacks in 11th games that still ranked 21st in the league despite him not finishing the season. Now there was a big concern. There are two big concerning things about Bud Dupree uh, that teams have to be weary about. Obviously, the ACL. You wonder if he's going to lose a little burst or uh, just get off at the line of scrimmage. But according to PFF, 60% of his pressures came on a cleanup or from being unblocked. That is the highest rate of any pressure uh, or of any pass rusher in the NFL. So that is definitely concerning about Bud. But even if he isn't back at full health, I still think he has some sort of you know uh, being a pass rushing force but I've got him going to Buffalo. I think that they're going to ta- target a uh, outside linebacker. And uh, I think Bud is a, uh, a really good fit.
1: That's a really cool stat that you shared there. And I know that you have expressed some trepidation previously about how much is Bud a beneficiary of just playing alongside such great players. But I actually have Bud going to another team that is in the playoff conversation and desperately needs pass rush. And that is the Tennessee Titans. And it's gonna be interesting to see how they could make this work because they have like 16 million in cap. So again, your hands are kind of tied here. You're dedicating the majority of that to Bud. I know that he's gonna be looking for more than that, is what's reported. Like basically, exactly what Shaq is trying to get in that 18 to 20 million a year range. I don't see Bud demanding that, particularly coming off of an injury, but obviously you saw his value time and again this year. And I just think he has to be priority number one for this Titans team that had no pass rush this year. You can let the butlers and the clownies of the world walk. They don't have any must resign guys. And And for a team that had 19 sacks last year, bringing in a guy who had eight sacks in 11 games could change this. And this is a team that just has too much talent in some areas to just give up on something as crucial as the pass rush. And I will say Corey Davis is another guy who's a free agent who's definitely higher priority than some of the other guys I mentioned who maybe they would have to let go as a result of this. The only thing with the Bills... Because I would love for them to bring in a big-time pass rusher. They need it. We saw it last year. It's the thing between them and probably a Lombardi trophy. Is I don't know how they make that cap work. Just because their hands are tied right now. They've already had to restructure some deals. And they brought back a couple of important guys in-house. Matt Milano, Darrell Williams. Those were sort of the top priorities. I don't know about bringing in another big guy, though, if that's feasible. I think Bud, you know, obviously fills in for that spot that Clowney was supposed to. Clowney has been horrible
0: in Tennessee. I have to ask, though, in your hypothetical for Bud, is he coming back on a one-year, $15
1: million deal? Is this long-term? Maybe a two-year deal, I think, is reasonable. Or maybe if it ends up being that the market isn't as hot for him as he expects and he's willing to just take sort of a one-year, prove it, still on decent value for that one season, I think that's very possible as well. All right, so let's get into now kind of the third guy we really want to go in-depth with out of this group, but again, it is a loaded bunch of pass rushers. Trey Hendrickson, who obviously just burst onto the scene this year. The Saints are in a tough cap situation. We talked about the restructuring with Taysom Hill, obviously, but do you think they can bring him back, or what do you see happening with Hendrickson? I don't see them bringing him back, and
0: I want to talk about your point, him bursting onto the scene this year. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that had the second most sacks in a single season have this little media coverage. Uh... He's crazy strong. He's got a deep bag of pass rushing moves, great at bull rushing opponents. But I want to clarify, man, Hendrickson isn't like a traditional pass rusher. He's not an elite athlete. He just... He's, he just has elite technique, and that's what makes Hendrickson special. I've heard criticisms of his short arms, his poor tackling. To me, Hendrickson is just about as can't miss a free agent as they come if you want consistent pass rush because of that technique. 13 and a half sacks and 33 pressures this season. He was only held without a sack in four games. He was only held without a pressure in two games. And I'll remind everyone when he dominated one of the best free agent uh, tackles this season against Eric Fisher in Week 15 – Seven pressures, he hit Pat five times, he had two sacks. This kid is legit. Uh, I have a few teams that I think he fits on. I think the Saints should prioritize him and try to bring him back if they can. I have him going to the Raiders, though. They need pass rush. After losing Khalil Mack, their uh, their pass rush has been horrendous every season, and they've got 40.8 mil in cap. They've got the space to bring him in. And to me, I can't get in the head of Mike Mayock or John Gruden. This guy just seems like a, like a Mayock or Gruden guy.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. I have Hendrickson going to another team that I think should try to make the push into real contention right now, and that is the Miami Dolphins, who have $33 million in cap with no real must signs. You might have to let a Van Noy go or a guy of that tier, but again, that's not going to kill you. And if this team adds a big-time pass rusher with what we saw they were already capable of defensively, and if they can just bring their offensive level up a little bit, maybe get a weapon for Tua in there as well, and as he continues to develop, that's a scary potential 12-win AFC Championship kind of team in my opinion, so I think that I want these guys to primarily go to teams that are already good and that also have cap because obviously that's the most exciting outcome and we could have a little bit of the NBA super team dynamic or what have you, but Hendrickson is going to demand big money for sure and I don't think it's going to be back with New Orleans, which is a bummer for them to develop a guy like that and then have him walk right out the door on you. Alright, so let's continue with this loaded group, talk about Yannick Gakaway, a guy who obviously has been so impressive thus far in his relatively young NFL career recently, obviously moved from the Jags, then to the Vikings, then to the Ravens this season, but what do you think ends up happening with him? Uh, I think he goes back to Baltimore. They've got about 27 mil in cap, which I think
0: is enough to still make uh, some moves here. In gakaway I think, should be prioritized over Judon. I don't like saying that just because Judon has meant so much to this team. Uh, he's, you know, played so much longer than in gakaway there, but uh, N'Gokwe, I think, has been better. He's never had fewer than eight sacks in any of his first five seasons. He's got the 12th most sacks since he entered the league. Uh, he will command big money, but he's worth it, and I think the Ravens bring him back with their cap
1: situation. So, I think they should bring him back, too. Let me ask you, then, do you think they have enough to bring back Judon as well? Because I think if those are basically far and away their top two priorities, they probably narrowly do, because I don't think either of these guys are getting, you know, $15 million a year or whatever. And I think they do. I think in my scenario, my I don't I don't want to say my dream scenario
0: is the Ravens lose all of their players and the Steelers just <laughs> go and dominate them. But in a dream scenario for the Ravens, Judon takes a little bit of a, uh, a hometown discount and they can bring both of these guys back because, I mean, I would say that both of them were just as imperative to uh, the pass rush. Judon may not be getting the sack numbers. His pressure numbers are still as great as anybody's in the
1: league. I agree. I think they bring both back and I think that has to be the top priority. This is a team that is so close, even if maybe this wasn't their most impressive season when compared to last year and the defense is still at the forefront of that. So you got to retain your key guys there. Let's look at another edge guy who was super productive this year, Leonard Floyd. Where do you think he ends up? This is a weird
0: one because there's so many good edge rushers. There's a lot of money going around in the market. Uh, I have him going to the Carolina Panthers. I just think it's a massive need for them. Brian Burns took a uh, really big step back last season from 10 sacks to 2.5. So this is a position of need and a position of focus. Floyd's still relatively young, uh, put up 10.5 sacks last season, ninth most in the league. He had 30 pressures. Um, and really, I just think it's going to be a team with a lot of cap. I looked at the Jaguars, the Jets but uh, the Bengals as well, but I think the Panthers uh, just have this as more of a position of need. And again, with 32.5 uh, mil in cap, if they give him a big contract,
1: uh, I think he goes there. So I have him going to the 49ers, which I think is interesting. In division, again, I'm doing a lot of in division stuff today. The Rams are not going to be able to bring him back, and the Niners do have cap. Now, obviously... It's a little bit strange if they don't dedicate that money to Trent Williams, but it kind of feels like he's going to demand so much that maybe he doesn't come back and just hits the open market. Whereas from the Niners' perspective, would I like to add a 10-sack guy in his prime to this defense? I absolutely would, and this is obviously a team that is so, so much better than what we saw this past season. So I think that that makes them really scary, and I think it's something that they should look into. Another guy who had a 10-sack season this year, Romeo Okwara who is in a weird situation in Detroit. What do you think happens with him? I think he goes back to Detroit. He's going
0: to be a tough guy to re-sign because they only have about 7 mil left in cap. So... If someone else throws him a bag, I can see him leaving, but I think this is the Lions' number one priority, even over Kenny Galladay. Look, I'd love to have Galladay with golf, but I think he's as good as gone with the cap situation. Just trying to bring back one of your best defensive assets, and we've seen, when he is given opportunity, he performs. Two seasons ago, when he started the majority of games, seven and a half sacks, when he started the majority of games this season, he had a 10-sack season. Uh, He had 31 pressures this season. That ranked 22nd in the league. It's going to be tough. It is going to be close, but... Okwara should be the Lions' number one
1: priority, and they have
0: just a smidgen of cap to where I think they can make this happen.
1: It's just hard because, miraculously, they are in one of the worst cap situations in football despite not being at all a good football team, so I don't know if they can make it happen. I have them going to the Browns, which is interesting because, obviously, having brought in Olivier Vernon, recently enough he's been really good for the Browns but he's a free agent this year and I would get bringing him back for sure for continuity's sake and for what he's meant to this football team but you could also bring in a 25 year old coming off of a 10 sack season with room to grow who personally I don't think is going to be able to go back to Detroit in all likelihood maybe if they make him priority number one and make a bunch of shifts there then they could open the door but I would like to see him again go to a team that is trying to contend. It's going to be the theme of the episode for me. I think that'd be really interesting, but you're right. The Lions should make him priority number one. I would say above Galladay as well. I just think he has a tougher skill set to replace. Let's talk about a guy now who was very much on the opposite side of the spectrum, as opposed to a 25-year-old who just had a breakout season, a 30-something-year-old who was coming off of an ACL tear, Von Miller. What do you think happens with him this free agency? This may
0: sound crazy. I have got Von Miller going to the Washington football team. Ooh. And I just think when you have a chance to add <laughs> one of the best pass rushers of all time to two of the youngest best pass rushers in the league in Montez White and Chase Young, they're losing Ryan Kerrigan. Would I rather have Ryan Kerrigan, who had five and a half sacks last season, or Von Miller, again, one of the best pass rushers of all time, coming off of an ACL tear? It's a no-brainer for me. I want Von. It's like uh, when the Colts uh, kept drafting wideouts for Andrew Luck. I just don't think you can go wrong in adding another elite pass rusher to the Washington football team. Vaughn's got the most sacks since he entered the league. He had seven seasons in double-digit sacks, and he had he was 12th in pressures when he was healthy in 2019. If he is anything resembling of a, of a healthy Vaughn Miller, he is going to be a huge addition to a team. And I think, just go all in on the
1: pass rush. Have the greatest pass rush of all time, Washington. Well, it's definitely interesting, and they can do it because of their cap flexibility, as you mentioned. Personally, I don't think Vaughn demands that much. And maybe that's just a mistake on my part because, obviously, of the value of the name brand. And you're right, he was still a really good football player when we last saw him. I just think 32 coming off an ACL tear is really scary to a lot of teams. So I kind of think he takes a more team friendly deal and goes back to Denver. And just with the strength of this market, I feel like there are guys who are more sure things who are going to get paid big money. Obviously, I have already talked about a bunch of guys who I think will change teams, and I don't know if Vaughn is going to be the hottest ticket on the market given, again, the youth and comparative health of some of the other guys. What well, I mean, if they can bring him back, it'd be a scary sight finally seeing
0: Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller back together again.
1: Absolutely, and maybe raises the ceiling of this Broncos team that obviously was not the most impressive throughout this season. Let's talk now about a guy who obviously we discussed briefly earlier with the J.J. Watt signing, but the man who could potentially be the odd man out of that equation, Hassan Reddick. What do you think happens with him? Yeah, I mean, speaking of overlooked guys,
0: Hassan Reddick has been maybe overlooked as any edge rusher uh, in the NFL. Fifth in sacks this season with 12 and a half, 13th in pre- uh, and pressures with 34. The Cardinals have to bring this kid back. I mean, again, I completely agree with what you said earlier. I would have rather taken Reddick back over J.J. Watt, but name brands seem to prevail there. If they bring Reddick back, I love the Watt deal even more because you will have three of the deadliest pass rushers in the NFL: Reddick, Jones, Watt. That's scary, man. That is that is absolutely terrifying. That being said, though, I think Reddick commands a bag that the Cardinals can't throw at him. Look, the Cards have cap space. They don't have New York Jets cap space. I think the Jets and Robert Saleh are going to try to make a lot of big money moves. What other better big money move to make than bringing in a kid who's relatively young, who is coming off of a really dominant season? I think the Jets throw him a bag and they uh, end up stealing him from
1: Arizona. Well, there's definitely the potential. I think it just depends on sort of how high the market drives up his value because the cards have 20 million in cap, basically. And I think Reddick is probably going to demand somewhere in the neighborhood of four years, 48 million. I think that's reasonable given his production. I would 100% give him that. I would bring him back. But there is a point where if, I don't know, the Jets are willing to pay something ludicrous like $18 million a year that maybe the cards just can't do it. But I absolutely think he should be priority number one. And if you can get him, Jones, and Watt in that same room, that is maybe the scariest pass rush in football. It is certainly up there at this point with just a bunch of elite players there. So I think he has to be priority number one. Last guy who we're going to talk about here from the pass rusher side of things, Justin Houston. You mentioned earlier that you have him going back to the Colts, but why is that? Uh, I just think he's been so consistent with him. Two seasons, 19 sacks. Uh,
0: he's not the same pass rusher he was in Kansas City, but he's still been productive. Honestly, though, I wish I had predicted something bigger for Indianapolis because when they do have that money, yeah, I'm throwing... I, I like Justin Houston, but I am not throwing my money at an older guy when I could take one of these younger pass rushers. Maybe Reddick, maybe Barrett, as you said. Uh, but I guess, and yeah, in my scenario, if... These chips fall in line. Houston will be back in Indianapolis if it is a you know last resort
1: situation for Indy. So I have him going to the Pats, which I think is an interesting one, just because New England has so much cap to work with this year and on the wrong side of thirty. I doubt Houston has a huge price tag, maybe somewhere around ten million a year, just because of again the consistency of production that he has had. But this is a Pats team that had twenty-four sacks last year that need a boost, particularly with that edge rusher, and I think that if they make that happen, maybe this team is closer to the playoffs than we think, although offensively still so far away, and bringing back Cam does not do you any services there, but you also have to bolster that pass rush always, and I think that he could be the man to help them do it. Okay, we took a weird little trip to the defensive side of the ball, but now let's go back to offense and round out that side before we take a brief return to the defensive end. Running backs, it's not a crazy class this year. I would say the biggest guy out there is Kenyon Drake, who maybe the Cards will not be able to bring back, as we just discussed with their cap situation in Redick. What do you foresee happening with him? Yeah, no, I don't have him going back to the Cardinals. I
0: have him going to the New England Patriots. Uh, again, it's just another position of need with their cap space. Now, this gets interesting because I wrote down that the Patriots would go after Drake, and... Uh, Get Schwartz as well. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that after signing Jonu Smith to a uh, pretty decently sized deal, four years, fifty million. I don't really know that impacts their uh, cap space, but a running back is a position of need. Sony Michelle and Damian Harris were okay. Kenyon Drake is an elite running back.
1: I think with opportunity. Or do you disagree? Do you think that they should not target a running back? I maybe like Damian Harris on a rookie deal a little bit more than you do. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, so he points again if. I don't know. I guess just because I don't think the Patriots are going to be contenders. Maybe I think they should throw a bag at a running back. But again, you don't pay running backs in this league. So good point. Yeah, it just seems a little un to go out and pay that big money in my opinion. But Kenyon Drake is absolutely a great player. I don't know what I'm talking about. They already do have one of the best running backs in the league. Cam Newton, smooth. You like that? I mean, Cam Newton is a pretty effective weapon as a runner. Let's face it. So, I actually have Kenyon Drake also going to the AFC East. I have him going to the New York Football Jets. They have, obviously, a less than ideal running back situation unless you were sold by Ty Johnson this year or you are just in love with Frank Gore and want to run it back again there. And I think you go pay for a guy who's relatively young, who's versatile, and... Again, you don't pay running backs, but all right, can you pay him $8 million a year or whatever? Sure you can. It's tough in this mock free agency situation because in my eyes, my market, if I'm the GM for all of these teams, is just going to drive running backs so low that all these guys are going to get like $3 million a year. And Kenyon Drake maybe is a little bit of a cut above the rest, but he's not getting big money in any world in which I'm operating in because I can't get in the mind of a GM who thinks, yeah, I want to pay him $12 million a year, give him 48 million. That's just not how my brain works when it comes to this stuff. Okay, so again, he's probably the biggest dog on this market. There is another guy though, Logan, who I think you're a little bit excited by because of his really strong play in the postseason after definitely a questionable regular season. Leonard Fournette, what do you think happens with him? I am going to the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's funny,
0: in this scenario, you talk about running backs uh, getting, you know, the market really driving them down. I see two things happening. He takes a hometown discount with where he played last season back to the Bucks. That makes sense. You know, him and Rojo were a deadly tandem together, but if he's going to take a discount, why not come to Pittsburgh? I think he fixes a lot of Pittsburgh's problems. They need to get back to their identity of ground and pound, bullying teams on the ground, you know, being able to sustain leads. It's what they haven't been able to do uh, in the past few years. Obviously, the league's worst rushing attack last season. I think the offensive line needs to be addressed, but the position, uh, the running back position needs to be addressed as well. James Conner's out of town. I'm not in love with Sneller McFarland. I think they're good running backs, so The Steelers are going to get a running back, whether that's in the draft or free agency is to be seen. I would love to land a guy like Leonard Fournette because of his style of running.
1: So you would rather have him than Snell?
0: Yeah, I mean, in that though, the Steelers use so many different sets. I just, I don't love Snell as a power running back in this moment. Fournette is certainly a power runner, and uh, I just think that's what the Steelers need in the run game. We don't need another shifty guy, a receiving
1: guy. We need a power back. So I actually have Fournette going to the other scenario you mentioned. I think he goes back to the Bucks as a backup and takes a relatively cheap deal. Personally, I just don't think he's worth paying to start anywhere, and so I think that's kind of what the market is gonna lead him to ultimately. Last running back we're gonna discuss here, Chris Carson, a guy we mentioned a little bit earlier, who the Seahawks very well may have to let go. What do you foresee happening with him?
0: Uh, I'm following the same logic uh, line of logic that you used with uh, Kenyon Drake. I'm sending Chris Carson to the Jets. major position of need um, and they've got cap space so I think they go out and get some running back Chris Carson is one of the biggest dogs on the market Um, you know he had a career low in rushing yards per game last season but if the Jets can bolster their offensive line I think they use him more of a receiving weapon because he averages a career high in receiving yards per game we just saw him being utilized a little more in that aspect so uh, maybe we see him being used as a little bit more of a dual threat uh, in New York uh, next season.
1: I like Chris Carson a lot, and I think that if you just look at his production over the last few years, he's 1,150 yards in 2018, he's 1,230 in 2019, and then in 12 games this year, he's still, as you mentioned, 950 yards from scrimmage, nine total touchdowns, so I think he's a really good football player. Now, I'm not going to pay him big money to go anywhere, however... I would like to see him come to the Buffalo Bills on a very cheap deal because again, the cap situation is not ideal for them. I'm talking like 3 to $5 million a year. And I don't know if that's realistic because he has been so productive. But again, in my theoretical world, the running back value is just not there on the market. And compared to the current options, Of Singletary, who just does not have that speed to get to the edge. Of Zach Moss, who also really does not have that breakneck speed. I think that Carson is the best all-around back out of that group for sure. And not going to pay him a lot, but I'd be willing to pay him a little bit of something.
0: Is running back the biggest position of... Or after edge rusher, is running back the biggest position of need for the Bills?
1: I think that it probably is. And it's an easier one to address in a cost-efficient way, obviously. And maybe you draft a running back again. That would make... Year three in a row, though, so I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I would rather get a guy who's a more sure thing. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball here with another pretty loaded group, the receivers. Let's start with Kenny Galladay, Logan. Where do you have him going? Uh, I've got him going to the
0: Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that uh, the Jaguars, a lot of cap space, 70 million this season. They're going to want to go out and get guys that Trevor Lawrence can use immediately. And Galladay has his issues. Uh, I'm weary about his hands. Uh, He has a career catch percentage of 58.1%. Uh, He had this season, uh, he had a catch percentage of 62.5. That would rank 150th in the league, but Galladay does a lot of good things on offense. He's a supreme red zone threat, great at winning contested jump balls. He's got tremendous body control. He ranks 25th in receiving touchdowns since entering the league, despite missing 16 games. Um, And he's good on all levels, the deep threat and the medium and lower levels. I think we could see him being utilized as more of an all-around receiver with the opportunity in Jacksonville. Again, he was paired up with a competent quarterback. That's why he was putting up these numbers. I'm not saying it was all on Stafford. He needs a good quarterback to succeed. If he gets paired up with Trevor Lawrence, I think there could be fireworks in Jacksonville.
1: I like that a lot. I have sort of similar thinking with the guy who I have going to the Jags, but you just hope that Galladay is healthy, and if he is, then I think he probably is deserving of a relatively big payday. I have him going to the Patriots. They have stupid cap, as we've mentioned, about $70 And whoever your quarterback is going to be, if it's Kim, if you're intending on drafting a replacement or whatever, get them that reliable top target. Now, obviously, Edelman will be healthier this year, but the days of Jacoby Myers as your number one guy cannot continue because that's just a tough spot to put a quarterback in. Although I do like Myers. He could be a really good number three, just not a number one. Get Galladay in there. I think he's obviously one of the better receivers in football, a relatively young guy. And if the health is there, then the production is probably there as well. Juju Smith-Schuster is the next guy who's going to be hitting the market. Logan has made it pretty clear through a number of things that he is not going to be returning to Pittsburgh. Of course, your jersey curse continues. You have a Juju jersey hanging in your room and he will no longer be wearing that Steelers jersey. But where do you think he does end up?
0: Uh, I think he goes to New York. Again, a lot of cap space. Oh, I, I should clarify, there's two teams in New York.
1: Yeah, he's just going to go to the city.
0: No, he's going to the New York Jets. Uh, obviously, I think we, uh, we see a, a reuniting of Sam Darnold and Juju from their college days. That's the big reason why, and I don't want teams to be scared off from Juju. Despite finishing in you know career lows for receiving yards in a full season played, teams should still be interested in using him. Randy Finkner just, just did not use Juju to the best of his abilities. He played in the slot the entire season. Teams should uh, be using him on the outside, uh, in the flank spot, in the slot. He is an all-around great receiver. Um, He's great at contested catches. I love him in third down situations. He's got wheels to break plays away, and he's a hard worker. The only downside, I would say, to adding, adding Juju is just being worried about him flapping his gums on social media. He's a great wideout. He's great in all situations. And uh, I just think that with Sam Darnold on the Jets, I think uh, it makes sense that he goes
1: and plays football again with his buddy. So we have another switcheroo here. I have Juju going to Jacksonville and maybe your proposition is more likely just because Juju is going to want that big market and he does have that star value there and also the Darnold connection. I think though, first and foremost, he's just going to want to go somewhere where he can get paid and be a volume number one target and it'll be interesting to see if he can revive his career at all. I don't know if he really is best served as a number one or if he benefits more from being a number two guy who can play off of a star alongside him like we saw him do with AB. But, I think that at the very least he's probably worth taking a shot at and Jacksonville is going to be probably a little bit desperate to pay guys some big money and when you can bring in a star at a position of need you're going to try to do that probably. Let's talk now about again the guy who Juju played alongside for some time Antonio Brown another Pittsburgh Steeler who has long departed. What do you see happening with him? Another Pittsburgh Steeler I uh, bought the jersey of. Adios.
0: Um, I've got A.B. going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, this may not make a whole lot of sense, but I just think, look, A.B., there are rumors that A.B. is going to take a discount. He's going to go back to Tampa Bay on a really cheap deal, and I think that is definitely a possibility, but A.B. is still one of the most talented receivers available. Most receiving touchdowns since he entered the league. The second most receiving yards since he entered the league. The fourth most receiving touchdowns in the 16th most receiving yard since 2016, despite missing nearly two entire seasons. AB is still as talented as always. I think there's going to be a team that throws him a bag, and I think the Chargers with Justin Herbert, you give him an elite receiving target, throw him a bag. They've got $50 million in cap. I just think that they need to give uh, Justin Herbert a supremely talented receiving weapon, and Brown is the best and most talented receiver on the market. Teams may be scared away by his off field stuff. He is still
1: as talented as ever on the field. A lot of slights to Keenan Allen there, I'll just say. Talking about how they need that number one guy. Can you imagine? No, it would be incredible. And I actually have him going to another situation where they have a pretty solid foundation and they have a lot of cap. Another guy to Indy, I think they can do it because I actually don't think AB is going to demand crazy value this year. He obviously can still play at a really high level, but is he going to get, I don't know, 12 million a year I actually don't think so I think what you do is you make it a short-term deal probably a one-year to be honest make it maybe his third straight prove-it deal and maybe he'll eventually get tired of taking the prove-it deals but he still has to kind of prove it for a full season the Colts need that number one guy unless you think it's going to be Michael Pittman and personally I would way rather have a B in that volume spot than T.Y. Hilton who was also a free agent so yeah they need that number one guy go get him let's make it happen make life a little bit easier on Wednesday boy throw a little bit of chaos into the locker room spice things up there and I'm loving it well two things one I think you're a closet Colts fan you have to be with these predictions two man Andrew Luck is is he's angry if this goes down in the offseason man I think that he probably is. Although, could he, with his calm and intelligent demeanor, relate to Antonio Brown? I don't know. I feel like there might be some problems there. I feel like once he has enough just chaos in him to where it might work a little bit more. Just the look in his eyes when he scrambles out of the pocket, to me, speaks to a, a wild man who has just been uncaged, a little bit like Antonio Brown. All right, so there are still a bunch of strong receivers in this class, so let's talk about some of them. I think one of the more intriguing guys on the market, Will Fuller will be hitting free agency, obviously a guy who's been so productive when healthy, but has continually struggled to stay healthy. Logan, what do you think happens with him? It's really funny. Uh, I was laughing
0: here because we do, once again, another flip-flop. Uh, I am sending Will Fuller the fifth to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he played football, college ball at Notre Dame. I think he just goes back to Indiana again. They've got a lot of cap space, and Will Fuller is the guy I would throw a bag at. I know he has struggled to stay on the field, I don't care, man. This kid is absolutely elite uh, as a deep threat uh, at any level, uh, but he's crazy fast and we uh, would be a great vertical addition to any team. He uh, put up career highs in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and yards per reception, despite playing only 11 games, as you alluded to. 53 catches, 839 receiving yards, 8 touchdowns. He was ninth in receiving yards through 11 games. He was 6th in receiving touchdowns through 11 games. Uh, Will Fuller is a beast, and... The Texans would be foolish not to bring him back but I don't think we'll fo- I
1: don't think anyone wants to play for the Texans anymore. So, I think the only thing with those career highs, because he's absolutely playing the best he ever has, and making a point about it being 11 games, he's only played more than 11 games once in his entire career, and that's the gamble that you take with him. Personally, I would like to see him go back to Houston. I think he and Deshaun have real chemistry. This is assuming Deshaun is back, which obviously he doesn't want to be, but it seems like that kind of might be what ends up happening as we get closer and closer to sort of the conclusion of these deals being made. Maybe something happens that we're not foreseeing, but I would like to see him back if Deshaun is back. Corey Davis is another guy who's hitting the market, obviously out of the AFC South. What do you see happening with him? Uh, not only is he another guy hitting the market, he's another guy that
0: put up career highs in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and yards per reception. Uh, 65 catches, 984 receiving yards, and 5 touchdowns. He's going to fit great as a deep threat and a contested catchmaker, and I think with expanded opportunity could develop you know other major facets of his game. I have him going to a team that I think desperately need another really talented receiver And that is the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are always, that's the one thing I hate about Baltimore, man. They are so savvy in free agency. They always seem to land the big targets, the big free agents. And I think he would fit well in this system. Lamar Jackson really needs that deep threat, that guy can go downfield to. I know they've got Hollywood Brown, but he needs a guy. He can just throw 50-50 balls to all game. And Corey Davis fits that bill. If the Ravens land him, uh, I'm really scared. Now, in this scenario, as you note, I've got Judon, I've got Ngakwe, both going back to the Ravens with 27 million cap. It is going to be hard to also land Corey
1: Davis, but I think it's doable. Interesting. And I think it would be kind of funny because you'd have three top receiving targets in Baltimore who are really of a very similar tier in Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, and now also Corey Davis. That's an interesting one. I have him going to the Washington football team where I just think they have a bunch of cap. They want another legit receiving weapon. And obviously, Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson. And JD McKissick being your number two receivers effectively for a season probably isn't ideal to sustain. McLaurin is great as a number one. Get him a co-number one, a number two in Corey Davis. He's twenty six. He fits in their timeline. He's probably not gonna have a huge price tag attached to him. And I love it for them as they continue to try to maybe make another playoff push in this week NFC East. Here's another guy hitting the market, Marvin Jones. What do you have happening with him? Hey Carson and I continue to play the flip game. I've got Marvin Jones going to the Washington football
0: team. <laughs> Uh, 978 receiving yards last season, the second most in his career. Nine touchdowns. That is his fourth season of nine or more touchdowns. He's a great short to intermediate route runner. He's still really tough and versatile. I think he could be a number one, but again, as you said, I think he'd fit better alongside a number two. Uh, I mean, uh, alongside a number one, playing uh, as the number two to Terry McLaurin. Again, Washington Football Team have a lot of cap, 39 million. Now, I was going to say Green Bay, but after the Aaron Jones deal. I just don't think they can make it work. I would have loved to have seen Marvin Jones uh, with their in-division rival in Green Bay, though.
1: Yeah, and I also had a little bit of a tantalizing receiver option for Green Bay, a guy who I thought maybe they could get on the cheap, but also with the Jones deal, I think it's too hard to pull off now. I have Jones going to the Dolphins, and he is a guy who has been so consistently productive time and again. Logan, I'm sensing we have another swap. (laughs) that's pretty funny but yeah i think you get two of weapons he could be a nice transitional guy again not going to be a game-changing number one consistently but super reliable can be that red zone target you know he's going to produce and <laughs> i think he'd be good to have logan where do you have aj green going a big surprise here i've got him going to the dolphins
0: <laughs> Um, a lot of the uh, similar lines of thinking here uh, about Marvin Jones. I think Tua needs a big guy he can chuck the ball up to <laughs> if it contested 50-50 balls. A.J.'s been so excellent for so long. Now, the one thing, I wouldn't want A.J. Green for a lot of the same reasons that you wouldn't want a guy like Will Fuller. He just can't stay on the field anymore. I would be weary of throwing A.J. a bag. That is why I think the Miami Dolphins don't throw him a huge uh, amount of money, but enough to get him to come to town. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't really think AJ is going to get paid at all, which is why I actually have him going to the Kansas City Chiefs. With Sammy Watkins gone, where better for an old guy to go on a cheap, prove-it deal? You mentioned he just hasn't been healthy consistently when he finally was relatively healthy this year. He just was not productive compared to years years past, and you wonder if he's lost any athletic explosion. He was still getting force-fed targets. He just wasn't catching those balls, didn't have the chemistry with Burrow. And so I think he could be a guy who could use in spots in Kansas City, who could be that deep threat, who could still be that sort of jump ball target, obviously as a 6'4 athlete. And I think they could find a way to maximize him and be a really effective number 3 option. What do you think about that? Uh, I like the move. It's interesting, though, if you're going to send Green to the Chiefs, do you think he has any outside uh, an outside look at Green Bay, maybe? Well, I think that that's possible as well. I would rather see him go to the Chiefs, frankly. But you're right. It's the same sort of thing where it's just... Going to be really cheap contract, in my opinion. After these moves, who are you going with, Colts or Chiefs? I am going with the Chiefs because they have Patrick Mahomes. But I'm all in on the Colts, baby. Okay, last receiver here. Hey, it's a Colts. Probably no longer, in my opinion, after this offseason. But T.Y. Hilton is hitting the market. Where do you see him going? If he takes a reduced contract, I've got him maybe going to
0: Green Bay as well. But I am going to instead send T.Y. to an division rival in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think... You give Trevor Lawrence T.Y., he can do all the stuff that uh, Kenny Galladay can't. Galladay could be your exclusive deep threat. You could try to use him in other situations. T.Y. can be your third down guy, uh, You know, a slant, slant drag guy, uh, intermediate passing routes. It's what he did Indian- in Indianapolis for so long. I would just be trying
1: to surround Trevor Lawrence with weapons and uh, guys who can block for him. And I will say younger T.Y. was a pretty terrifying deep threat as well. Maybe not as much these past couple of years. But yeah, you mentioned it a versatile guy who was still productive and when he got his touches was really good as this season went on. Just wasn't that consistent. I personally think the New York Jets are going to overpay for some old guy. I think that they're I don't know if I should say too smart, but not dumb enough to make A.J. Green that guy just because he's been so questionable, obviously missing an entire season and not being productive this year, whereas T.Y. has just kind of been chugging along, being pretty good. Not a guy I would throw a bag at, but maybe a guy they would throw a bag at in New York. So that concludes it for the SWIP swap. That's not a saying at all, but receiver section. Logan, now let's get into our last category. There's a few DBs on the market this year. Let's start with Richard Sherman, who obviously had such a phenomenal year two years ago. What do you think happens with him? Yeah, exactly. He
0: had a phenomenal year two years ago. He allowed an opposing passer rating of 116.2 this season, allowed four touchdowns after only allowing two in the previous two seasons. Sherman's on the decline, but I think he could serve as a, an extremely productive uh, second guy. I've got him going to the football team. Um, I just think that it's a position of need. They've got some cap space, and uh, they could bolster their defense again as a second man. They've already got uh, a decent number one since Sherman here. I, I had really, I had a lot of trouble figuring out where to send him. Uh, I don't know if San Francisco
1: wants him back. Yeah, I wrote down, eh, for Richard Sherman. I do not have him going anywhere. I just think, I don't know, man. With injury and age concerns and how bad he looked this year, eh. He just keeps shooting podcasts? I mean, maybe he goes back to the Niners on a cheap deal. I don't know. He had his awesome redemption season. I don't think we have another one, though. Let's sign him to Nerd Sesh. Okay, actually, we'll bring him into the Nerd Sesh podcast network. No, he'll find somewhere to go. Washington is interesting. It's just... When I'm writing down his name, obviously someone will take a flyer on him, but not like a big money flyer. I don't think he gets paid 5 million bucks. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, you always hold out hope that those guys can make the return to their prime. I just don't know if I see it, but he already kind of proved people wrong once with that incredible season in San Francisco the first time around. A couple other guys, Xavier Rhodes, another Colt. What do you think happens with him? I am sending Xavier Rhodes to another in-division rival
0: in the Houston Texans. Uh, Rhodes had a, bit of, a, a little bit of a revival last season with Indianapolis, uh, which is why I think the Colts in their cap situation could bring him back. But I think there's just a team that needs defensive backs more. The Texans had quite possibly the worst group of defensive backs I've ever seen last season. That's why they played themselves out of so many games. So I think they throw a bag at somebody, and I think they foolishly throw it at Xavier Rhodes, who, again, could see a steep decline uh, in his play. And I'll actually bring up another factor of why I think uh, he'll decline
1: uh, when we talk about our next guy. Fantastic. Well, I actually have him being retained by the Colts. And now the question here is, does the market drive up his value? Is there a team that's desperate to the point where they just would not be smart to retain him? That's possible. He's obviously going to demand more than the one-year $3 million that he had last year when really he was just trying to prove that he could still play at that high of a level. He was phenomenal, though. So I would give him maybe two years $20 million. I don't think that's insane. And then you, again, maximize the value of the guys you have here in Indy until you're paying Leonard and Nelson the big bucks. Maybe it's only even a one-year deal. I would like to bring him back, though, and just have as many talented players here as you reasonably can. The last guy now who we have to talk about today, Anthony Harris. Logan, what do you have happening with him? Uh, I have Anthony Harris going to the Cleveland Browns
0: and what I alluded to with the Rhodes deal. Um, I think Rhodes played a lot better in Indianapolis because of their dominant pass rush. It's, I think it's why he was successful in Minnesota. And that is the same reason I'd be weary of signing a guy like Anthony Harris. Uh, he held opposing quarterbacks to 58.3 completion percentage this year, an improvement of 7% from the last season. But I'd be cautious for him because there, there's a big reason why he went from a league leader in interceptions to having none this season. Uh, the Vikings were sixth in pass rush when he led the league. This season, the Vikings had the fifth worst pass rush. So I think Harris has to go to a team with a good pass rush to maximize his value. And what better team to do that than Cleveland? If they get Miles Garrett, if they, in this scenario, get Romeo Okwara, like you were proposing, then, or if they retain Olivier Vernon, then they're still going to have a really good pass rush. So I don't know if Harris is the elite safety that a lot of people proclaim him to be,
1: but I think paired up with a really good pass rush, he could still be a deadly safety. Very interesting. I have him going to the team with all the money in the world, the New York Jets. I think they got to spend their money somewhere. They might as well spend it on somebody pretty good. I don't think the Vikings can bring him back at all, given their limited cap situation and just all their issues and the many needs that they have to address. And so I think you kind of just have to take that loss and send him to New York, baby. Do you think the Jets might take a shot on Richard Sherman, throw him a massive bag? (laughs) I mean, that would be fantastic. I would love that, personally. It would make our job a lot easier. Instead of writing, eh, I could just say Jets. Actually, I mean, now that Robert Sala's over there, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, actually, I think he's going to the Jets. That'd be pretty cool. I don't know. It's fun to imagine all these guys ending up in New York, or really New Jersey. You send Juju to New York generally, and he's never going to find his way to med life because he's in the wrong city in the wrong state. But... With that, we are going to wrap things up for today. As we mentioned, it was a speed run. We got through this very quickly by our standards, and we hope that you have enjoyed. Free Agency is always a blast, and so we'll see how things continue to change over the next few days. You can check out our most recent talk on the NBA that we did this past Saturday. Unfortunately, no sports history episode this week. I should have addressed that. We are... Only doing two shows this week because I'm going to be going home, so taking it a little bit lighter. No sports history, will replaced it with this NFL show, but we will still do an NBA show this Friday, and you can hear that one live on the Radio Waves Saturday. You can check out our YouTube channel, as always, where we do a bunch of basically video breakdown content of NBA stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh and on Instagram at nerd sesh. And with that, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.